Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. All right, so if I could, I'm going to title this message, Gifts, Ministries, and Effects of the Holy Spirit. Sound good? And we're going to be looking at some passages in 1 Corinthians. Uh, before I do that, let's just talk a little bit about the Corinthians. I think I did a message where I spoke a little bit about that. I'm, I've, I've been in uh, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, the last couple of years, pretty heavy, particularly um, Ephesians and Philippians. And I'm really just starting to get into uh, 1 Corinthians. I want to spend some time just digging in for myself, um, learning more about that. And I've, I've preached many times on it, but I'm, I want to do a real deep dive. But um, you can learn a lot, probably more than any other people, about the Corinthians because Paul wrote two letters to them. And um, there's a lot, a lot of dialogue, a lot of back and forth. They, uh, they cause Paul like a lot of headaches. And, and uh, so much that he had to write them two letters and it got really bad. They were like, hey, we don't even want you to be our apostle anymore. Can you? They were like, we got some better apostles. But Paul just stayed with them. He stayed on it. And eventually they, they reconciled and they began to listen. And, and, um, and it, it turned out good. But the Corinthians were, were uh, pretty difficult in some ways, but they were pretty awesome in others. Uh, the city of Corinth was a very large, prosperous city. It's, it was in modern-day Greece and um, in Macedonia is what it had been called back then. Uh, very uh, immoral city. You had the temple of Aphrodite there. They had a thousand prostitutes in that temple as priestess. Um, it became widely known as this place of immorality. In, in fact, to, to say that someone was practicing immorality was to say that they were Corinthianizing. Um, that's what the city itself was like. But you had this powerful church uh, that God raised up, that was planted by Paul in that city. It was primarily Gentile, some Jewish, and um, wide socioeconomic background. You had people from uh, very, uh, uh, they were very poor. You also had very wealthy people in the church. In fact, in the letter itself, you have, uh, you can read um, where there's a, a greeting from Erastus. He was the city treasurer of all of Corinth that was a part of the church there. So there were church, people of noble birth. There were people of of uh, uh, very small means there. And um, really interesting though, they were very much uh, a people who shared meals, it talks about, with uh, unbelievers. So they were out there reaching out and doing that. But um, a lot of divisive, divisiveness, like I said, a lot of class division was happening. Immorality issues were actually in the church that Paul was addressing in, in this letter. And so they were very much being influenced by the culture around. But, but I would say that a lot of the problems that they had were actually because they were growing and because God was bringing into the church a lot of people that were coming out of this immoral culture that was a part of Greece 
and a part of every aspect of the society of Greece. And so this is all coming into the church. So you could say that a lot of the problems that the Corinthians had was because they were so successful at actually reaching their city. And as a result of that, they got a bunch of messed up people that were creating a lot of problems that Paul ended up addressing and calling them away from some of the things that they were doing. Um, But they were bringing these converts in and they were sharing their lives with people who did not know him. And so that's where a lot of their problems came from. And um, so you've got this young, powerful church, wide background of people. At the same time, they're having a lot of struggles. There's a lot of things going on that Paul has to address. But in the middle of all of this, they were these powerful, activated people. And they were operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let's just talk for a minute about the Holy Spirit. That sound good? I know I'm preaching to the choir when we talk about Holy Spirit here. But uh, he's, he's the, you know, he's not an it. He's a he. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's not just a substance, right? Uh, he's, there's the person of the Holy Spirit. He's fully God. He's a part of the Trinity. And... Um, And so he brings us into the fruit of the Spirit. He makes us more like Jesus. He also pours out gifts in the church. Amen? He brings the heavenly reality and the heavenly realm into our midst. He brings the spiritual blessings that the Father has decreed upon his people and those blessings, they come by Jesus, by what Jesus did. But, and so they come through Jesus, but they come by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings through Jesus the blessings of the Father. Amen. And so he's here in the earth with us. And he is building the church. He's out there bringing people in. He's convicting people of sin. He's showing people who Jesus are. One of the most powerful conversions I've ever seen in my life was in Turkey, and I've talked about it several times up here, um, was where I met this Turkish man, uh, Muslim man, and he had very broken English, and I didn't really know how to share the gospel with him clearly because his English was so broken. And so... I, all I did, I said, hey, can, I'll just pray for you right now, okay? And can I put my hand on your shoulder? And he's like, yes. And I said, uh, Holy Spirit, show him Jesus. He hits the floor. He's screaming. He's crying. I mean crying. I mean sobbing, 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 sobbing. We, we go down on the floor. We're sobbing with him. And you could feel just the Holy Spirit just like coming down on him. This man had never experienced anything like this. And so this goes on for 15 minutes. He gets up. He's like kind of disoriented, like what is happening? I said, what did you see? He said, I saw Jesus. I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. I can't, but I, I, this, I've never, I said, well, do you, would you, do you want him? And he said, yes. I said, well, just tell him you want him. And he just told him he wanted him. He just gets saved right there on the spot. It, yeah, it was hilarious too. He goes, uh, He's like, how did you do that? <laughs> he goes, can I do that at home? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, you can, man. You can do that at home. But what am I saying? The Holy Spirit is at work in the earth. He's not just at work here in the United States. He's, work, he's working all over the place and he is bringing people into the kingdom. He's doing it in some of the most difficult places, places where they're even against Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working. He is operating and he's also building the church. He's building us 
into what he wants us to be. Amen. So he's working. But let's go to 1 Corinthians 14.1. And we're going to look at, um, we're going to just look at the gifts here. Sound good to you? All right. So 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. So the first thing we're told here, which is really important when you begin to explore the gifts of the Spirit, is that we are to pursue love. And I want you to think about what does it look like to pursue love? And I would say this, that it's pursuing the love of God. It's, a, it, it's pursuing an encounter with the love of God, but it's also pursuing letting that love, uh, that love transform you in, in a way that you begin to give love to others. And so that pursuit of love is to go after God, but to also, um, but also become more like him. And that's the pursuit of love. So we're told here that we need to pursue love. And a key to the healthy operation, when we begin to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, is the pursuit of love. And if you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, if you begin to operate that, that doesn't mean you're mature as God wants you to be in love. God actually will give gifts to immature people, right? So you can see it with the Corinthians. So Paul begins to give them a lot of, uh, a lot of guidelines because they weren't mature in a lot of things. And so we need to understand this. You, we can operate in the gifts and not be as mature as God wants us to be, right? But he wants to bring us into maturity. If, we don't be, if we're not brought in maturity, we're gonna make a lot of messes, and God works with us, he does, but a lot of times we've been walking with God for a long time and we're not maturing in love, and so, um, so God wants us to continue to pursue it and understand that to grow more into, it, into its fullness. I don't wanna just operate in the gifts and not be, not be maturing in love, amen? I don't think, um, we won't see the fullness of that gift you won't see the fullness of the gifts released in your life and matured in your life if you don't have love right there with it. And we'll look at why in a second. How do you know if you're maturing in love? How, how would we define that? How would we define maturing in love or spiritual health? And I would say, here's how I would define it. When it's no longer about you. And this is really important for the gifts. Immaturity is when it's all about you. And I know, I realize like, hey, we're all somewhere in between there probably, right? I mean, if I'm honest, sometimes it's about me, right? Yeah, Stacy just laughed down there. Did you laugh? Somebody laughed. Somebody laughed. We're like, yeah, I know. Sometimes. No, listen, we're all, we're all a work in progress. I mean, I, I'm not fully matured in love. I've walked with God for a long time. I'm still, he's still, he's still rooting things out of me. He's still getting it where it's not about me, where it's, where it's about him and about others, amen? And so that's how we define spiritual maturity is we're pursuing love and we're, if we're pursuing love and growing in it, then it becomes less about us and more about him and more about others. And so when it is less about me and more about him and more about others, the gifts begin to get amplified, and so I would like to see in here that the gifts of the Holy Spirit get amplified. But to get amplified, we need to pursue love. 
And then it goes on here. I love this here. It says um, that we should earnestly, so we pursue love, but we earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. And so the pursuit of love will increase an earnestness or a desire for the gifts. And um, that earnestness, that desire plays a big role in, how, in what you're able to receive and the operation of the gifts. So the desire plays a role, and I want you to hear this, it plays a role in what you're able to receive when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. The desire, that earnest desire, that you could say it's like a longing, like I'm pursuing love, but I'm longing for the gifts to be manifested in my life. I desire those things. And in the 80s, let me give you an example. In the 80s, I'm gonna age myself here. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I, I got up here, I got like a hole in my pants here. And I was like, man, I'm getting cooler, I guess, you know? But this is by accident, right? <laughs> Stacy's like, get those pants. Uh, but in the 80s, you know, we invented that in the 80s. But, but we didn't... Uh, Listen, in the 80s, like, you didn't, you didn't go to the store and buy pants with holes in them. You had to earn it. You, you, the holes were cool, but you had to earn those things. You didn't cut them. No, you didn't touch those things. It's like, when you're wearing those things around, it's like, man, yeah, I've, I've earned this. It took me a while to get this hole. And when they got really bad, then you really got, you cut them off and make them into blue jean shorts. Now, that was really cool back then. You're like, just cut it off and, you know, a little roll, and here we go right? Today, you just go to the store and you buy it. You don't earn anything. You just, I, anyway, okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I, I went to high school in the 80s, 1987. I'm vintage, basically, right? So, but I love it. All the 80s stuff's coming back. I had hair. It was amazing. Amazing, right? Muscles. How do you think I got a beautiful wife, like, muscles? Okay, never mind, she's like, whatever. I'm losing it up here right now. Losing, I've lost your focus. But listen, in the 80s is where I first encountered the Holy Spirit. And when he came, I had like a five-hour baptism. I mean, he just put me under. And for five hours, I experienced the wave after wave of the love's, love of God and got up from that. Now, I was, I was a Baptist boy and we didn't talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We didn't believe in that. And um, I wasn't necessarily like taught against it. We just, you just, you kind of skipped that part of the Bible, right? But I'm thankful for my Baptist heritage because they really did teach me to believe the word and so many great things I got from that. But we get up and, and, uh, and we're like, man, that was, that was amazing. Why don't we just keep, Let's do that again. So we just kept meeting night after night. And this was a group of about 50 people. I was 15 years old. And, um, and then we began to read about the gifts. We're like, wow, that's amazing. That's cool. I think that's what, I think we experienced something like around that. But we had no language. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have anybody to teach us. And then we're like, hey, man, you can pray for the sick. Let's try that. So pray for the sick, somebody get healed. Then it's like, man, I, I'm feeling like, do you have, is, does your knee hurt? Yeah, my knee hurts. Pray, get healed. We had no idea what we were doing. I didn't, we didn't, I didn't know really what a word of knowledge was. And so then we had to go out to California to John Wimber, who was having a Signs and Wonders conference. 
And we go out there in the 80s, and, um, and I got invited to go on that thing, and they had this whole thing on the gifts of spirit. We were like, man, this is amazing what God's doing. But, but what I want to say is this. So we started experiencing that, and then we'd read one, and we'd be like, man, that's cool. I would like to have that one. I want that one. And so we would begin to desire. I remember tongues. I didn't know that much about tongues. I'd hardly heard, I don't think I'd even heard anybody speak in tongues when I began to speak in tongues. It was like, man, look, it says here that they're gonna speak in tongues. That would be a really great one to have, right? And so I remember desiring to speak in tongues and I didn't have anybody pray for me. I remember sitting there praying for someone for healing. We were already operating in healing. We were already operating in things like words of knowledge. And I remember sitting there praying and suddenly I could feel my lips begin to tingle and I began to speak in tongues. And so what I, my point is this, I desired tongues and I got it. Now I wanna say this as well. You may have desired something and you haven't received it. Just keep desiring it, right? Don't stop desiring because you haven't received it yet. Let, let that desire become stronger in you. Don't, and don't get in a place of condemnation. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. Don't do that. Just desire. Amen. And so uh, that's what happened to us in the 80s. But I'm going to keep going in this passage, if that's okay with you guys. And I'm going to talk some about tongues, but this really is not a mess. I told Stacy, I said, I'm getting deep diving into tongues here. And this is not even really a message on tongues. It's a me- message on all the gifts. And so, but I want to get into it because we can learn some things about the gifts when we look at what Paul does here uh, on tongues. Y'all okay with that? All right, so verse two, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now that's cool. Can we just say that tongues are cool? They're, I get it, they're weird. But it's amazing God would give us a spiritual language. Like, let's just give him a whole language, right? And, and he did, and he, so we utter, when we're speaking in tongues, we're uttering mysteries in the spirit. That's amazing, right? Think about that. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So how, when we're speaking in tongues, what's happening? My spirit man's getting stronger. You're having a bad day? Go get it somewhere and just begin speaking in tongues. It'll build you up. You'll, I promise you, you'll feel better. I used to do a lot of pastoral counseling, and I promise you I did this. I, someone would come in, and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's bad, man, bad, so bad. I'd say, well, have you tried pray, praying in tongues for 30 minutes straight? No, I said, well, could you, this sounds like I was, didn't have empathy, but I did, but could you go do that and then we'll have a conversation? Do you know how many people would come back? I mean, they, they wouldn't come back because they were fine at the end of that, right? Now, that's not disparaging counseling, okay, at all. I thank God for counselors. Thank you, Transformation Center. But Maybe before you get counseling, it would help the counselor a lot if you do that, I can promise you, right? So, but anyway, he keeps going here. Uh, Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, How will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation uh, or knowledge of prophecy or teaching? 
And so we see here, I want, I want us to get a picture here of the Corinthians. They're having a great time with tongues. I mean, you get the sense the way that Paul talks to them and part of the other passages. I mean, they are just having a good time speaking in tongues here. And so he's not knocking that, but he's, in, in fact, he says, hey, I want you all to speak in tongues. And later in uh, verse 18, down, um, we're not gonna look at that. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul actually sp- spoke in tongues more than them. And, uh, but he begins to lay out these practical guidelines for them. And some of these things, I believe, were specific to the situation that was happening in Corinth. But there's a lot of things that we can take away from this. And so um, he begins to talk about prophecy and the importance of prophecy. So, and or if you can interpret tongues so that someone can hear it and they can be built up. And so what did we talk about earlier? We're pursuing love, right? So as we pursue love, as we begin to think about others, it's great that I speak in a tongue and I can build myself up, right? But it's even better if I could speak in a tongue and build someone else up. And so it's not a one or the other, it's a both. But God wants us to be able to prophesy because I'm gonna edify someone else. Or I speak in tongues and I interpret or someone around me interprets and it builds someone else up. It's Pretty cool, right? And understand here, as we start to get into this, Paul's not laying out rules. He's giving some guidelines around the gift of tongues as we keep going, all right? All right, so a lot of practical things that we, that we can look at here. So the sense that you get as you read, as you read through all of this, it seems to me that the Corinthians, that's like all they were doing. They're just speaking in tongues. And I, and I'm, I'm gonna put this in our context, all right? Um, come to service, right? Guy, guy gets up, Tim gets up here, he opens. Well, he, he, he just speaks in tongues the entire time that he opens. I mean, this is the sense that you get with the Corinthians, right? Um, worship team, they're ready to sing. They just sing the whole time in the spirit. Now, none of these things are bad, right? Uh, the announcements, we just do those in tongues. Yeah, we probably should, to be honest. I mean, come on. Come on, you know, the, I get it. We got to do the Anyway, you know, but they're important. We all know they're important, but we wish there was another way sometimes. Let's do the offering. Let's just do that in tongues. And you know what? I'm not, hey, my whole message, I'm doing that in tongues, guys, right? Um, Thank you for coming at the end of the service. Let's do that in tongues. We're out in the foyer. We're just all speaking in tongues. I mean, this is honestly, when you read the language of some of the stuff that Paul talks about, it's like (laughs) he brings these guidelines because it feels like this is all these guys were doing. And I love the Corinthians. They were very excessive in some ways, but they were going for it, right? I would rather see a people that are going for it. And then you got to go like, hey, man, like, could you not, could you, you can do the announcements in tongues, but can we do the other stuff in, you know, where people can understand it? And why? What's the purpose? Again, not rules, guidelines, because people are going to get edified if they can hear what you're actually saying. Amen? Are you guys tracking with this? All right. We keep go. we, we go down, we skip down some, we get into 1 Corinthians 13, it says, 14, 13, it says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue, and I'm not hitting all this for time, but one who speaks in a tongue, let him pray 
or should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind's unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with uh, my mind also. And so we've got praying, we've got prophesying, we've got singing. And what does it do? It builds me up. But it doesn't build up, like I said earlier, anyone around me without interpretation. So we're told here, hey, if you speak in a tongue, actually pray that you would interpret. How many of you have prayed that you would interpret? All right, some of you. More of you you will after tonight. Um, And let me say this, though. If if you're somewhere and um, there's no interpretation, that's not a sin. All right? All right. it's, it's not, see, this, I think this has been a hindrance in the church. Paul wasn't turning this into like, hey, y- y'all have messed up. and you're, He's giving some guidelines to them because he wants to see the edification of the church at a higher level. But if there's no interpretation, it's not like the end of the world, okay? Um, and a great exercise for you to do, let me just give you an exercise you can do at home. Prayer, sing in tongues. And, uh, and, and get in a free flow and then let it come out in your language. English, if you speak English. So do, just, it's like, an, pray it, like I can, I can literally pray in tongues and I can immediately pray in English what I'm praying in tongues. All right? I can sing in the spirit and I can immediately do it. It's like, it's kind of just natural. It feels natural to me to do that. Right? And so, um, I think that's something we can learn to do. To do. We, can, we can just let it flow. He goes on, if you go down to verse 27, he said, if any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or three, three in each turn and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, let me say this. This passage, I feel like it's been misused as well. Um, the... This is speaking, when it talks about two or three in turn, I believe this is speaking about public prophecy or public. And when I say public, I'm talking, let's, let me put it in our terms, like open mic. All right, so Paul's giving direction. Again, this is all they're doing. It feels like when you read this is they're speaking in tongues. And so Paul says, hey, wait a second. Wait, 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 guys. Listen. How about just two or, or three of you do this? And um, don't just do this the whole time. Two or three of you do this, and, um, and then let someone interpret so that everybody else gets something out of it. Again, he's giving some guidelines specifically to the Corinthians and their situation, but I've seen people do this. They're like, oh, y'all did more than three. Violation. You have violated the scriptures. You have violated what, oh, no interpretation into the world. Where are the tongue police, right? The tongue police, they're coming after you. Oh, those people, they're false, totally false. They worship the devil, whatever, you know. And that's wrong. It's, a, it's misusing the, the, the scope and the, the nature and what Paul was actually doing here. And so in, in a public setting, if I'm going to get up here and give a a prophetic in a tongue 
and there's no interpretation, Paul's just saying, hey, it doesn't benefit anybody, so hey, don't do that. Do something else, basically, right? And, um, but he goes on, I want you to see something here. He says, but if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church. Again, I believe that's, they didn't have microphones, obviously. We're talking open mic there, though. And, and, and then he says, and speak to himself and to God. So you may hear the person next to you speaking what? To himself and to God in a service. Sometimes we all do it together. Let's all do it. What are we doing? We're building up ourselves so that we can then kind of fire the thing up in here and we can go further in our worship or whatever we're doing. Are we all singing in the Spirit? And so I don't think Paul was trying to shut down anything that was going, anything that was happening. He was just trying to bring some rails to what they were doing so that they could operate in what God, the Holy Spirit wanted in a more full way. You understanding what I'm saying? All right. So I can speak. I could, I could pray with my wife, and she's not getting an understanding of what I'm praying in tongues, but I'm building myself up. That's not, I just got to say this again, that is not like the, that is not a sin. All right? It's not scriptural error. When you look at the context of what Paul was doing here. We're just getting some guidelines. He even says it about the prophetic, right? I want you to think about that. He says, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. That's the next level. <laughs> if a revelation is made, to one another, is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that they all may learn and be encouraged. Again, he's giving some specific direction into what the Corinthians doing. What can we learn from? I mean, it would be like if... Joaquin came in and said, hey, guys, um, let's get three people, and they're going to release a prophetic word. Now, if you did four, is that the, have we just broken, this, have, we just bro, have we just violated Scripture? No, we haven't. These are practical guidelines for the way that he was telling the Corinthians to operate in a service. Amen. Maybe. Amen. So, and he, again, he's speaking about when the entire congregation is being addressed with a prophetic word, this is, this is how he had them doing it. And you get the sense, too, I mean, he's like, hey, let the first be silent, because, again, I think they were, the Corinthians were just kind of going crazy a little bit. So he just, he just brought some order to it. Um, and here's what I find interesting. I, I don't know. I've spoken in tongues for like 30 plus years and I find that uh, a lot of people get really upset with tongues that have never spoken in tongues and they get real upset. It's like they're almost looking, no interpretation. Gotcha. I knew it. I knew this wasn't from God. Nobody interpreted. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when you get with the Holy Spirit to really understand how the Holy Spirit operates, you, ha you have to kind of, you have to be in it. In other words, you have to be operating in it to even understand what the scripture is saying about it, right? It's, it's kind of like, if you just read the manual, you don't know how to drive a car. 
You don't understand the nuances of a car. You don't understand how that car operates. Every, everything in that manual doesn't give you the full picture or the full description of how the, the, these things operate. And so that's the sense that you get here. But um, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to bring a greater operation in our midst, but we, we don't need to live in fear that we're gonna somehow violate something because of religious things, amen? And we need to understand the spirit and the heart of what Paul was doing here so that the church could be edified. And that is our ultimate goal, right? And so I like that. I'm like, okay, great. I wanna interpret more because if I can interpret more, then people around me are gonna get blessed by what the Holy Spirit is saying, all right? So, Interpretation gives tongues a more powerful effect. Could I get an amen? All right. I'm going to go all East Texan, I feel like, in a minute. But um, so let's, let's I want to look at one more passage. We're going to go about 10 more minutes here. Then we're going we're to do this activation. And I, no, I don't really have any idea how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. No, I, I do, but I don't. I, I saw a picture of what we were going to do. All right, so 12-4. Are y'all okay with where we just were? I think it's important to talk about tongues because, you know, we, we do it a lot. <laughs> we do it a lot here. So let's talk about it. But look here. I love this passage here. We're getting into the other gifts. 1 Corinthians 12-4, it says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So we see here variety of gifts, variety of ministries, and then there's this variety of effects, which the word, the Greek word there for effects is divinely focused energy. Bam. Bam. Gifts, ministries, they flow, they flow differently, and that the way God brings that energy. He brings it differently through each one of us. And I love that. So we could both, I could, we could both be operating in the same gift, but the way that God focuses that energy can look very different. So the gifts themselves are diverse, but also the way they operate through us, and we're all in ministry. Can I say that? The way they operate and they have different effects in different ways is really, really powerful. And I always appreciate it when someone is operating in something that's different than the way that I operate. I, I believe it brings a greater fullness. Amen? And so we see here that he keeps going. He says, uh, there are a variety of effects. Same God works all things in all persons. Seven, but to each one is given the manifestation of the common good. So let me just point this out. The manifestation of the gifts is for the common good. And why do we need to, why, when we talk about love, we talk about maturity. The gifts are designed to operate, and they operate more at their full level when we, the more that we are operating from a place of the common good. We in, we in this age live in a very, in, and as in the United States in particular, we live as very much individuals. We are very individualistic, right? We, we're, it's, you know, I'm making this thing happen and I'm going and, and um, 
And so we kind of live from that mode and we don't live for the common good. But if we don't live for the common good, we don't fully understand what God has called the church to be. And if we understand that the gifts are for the common good, we're gonna go higher and we're gonna become more powerful in the gifts of the spirit. And then he goes on and he says, that for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to the one the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing individually just as he wills. And so... We see here, again, builds a common good. It releases this expression of heaven and it puts us in direct partnership with God when the Holy Spirit's flowing through us. This is powerful to me. I am hooking up, hooking up into the realm of heaven and I'm in a partnership with the Holy Spirit releasing something divine into the earth. That's a powerful partnership that we've been called to. But it's not for me, it's for the common good. It's to build up the body, it's to build up my neighbor, it's to build up people around me, it's to build us all up that we can all become who God has called us to be collectively, amen? And so we can see here, and I wanna talk about something that's important. Yeah, so there's two things I want you to, to look at here when it comes to the gifts. Verse 11, back at verse 11, it said that, but one, the same spirit works all these things, distributing each to each one individually as he wills. But then we've got back in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should earnestly desire. So we've got one passage saying that he distributes as he wills. At the same time, we're being told that we should, eat, we should earnestly desire. And so I wanna make this point. You have the potential to operate in any gift. It depends where your desire is, amen? So the Holy Spirit distributes his gifts into need of the moment, but he also distributes them into the desire. So when your desire is aligned in love with him, you're living for the common good. I believe that any of us can operate in any of the gifts. In other words, they're all available to all of us. Now, it doesn't mean that if I'm in a group and something's happening that I'm gonna be the guy in that moment that God releases healing through. He may release it through my neighbor. I may interpret tongues in that moment. It's whatever's needed in that moment to bring edification to those who need it in that moment. And that's so powerful when you think about it. You are powerful. I am powerful. We have the ability to bring something into the common good and bring transformation, to bring encouragement, to bring edification. And so, um, so we can desire, we can earnestly desire. I don't believe that God would have said earnestly desire if he wasn't actually willing to give it. Amen? God is willing to give any of the gifts to us. It's where our desire is. And so what do we need to do? I need to stoke my desire. Amen? And I realize when I say this, there are probably areas that you may operate in a stronger way in. You're just more sensitive to God in those areas, right? So you'll see that. You'll see someone who's operating at a greater level of healing. 
you know, they're, they're, they've cultivated, they, they've desired that, they've cultivated, they've spent time with God in that, and they're operating in that place. But um, I want to challenge you tonight, or invite you, maybe that's a better way to say it, to step into more of a desire for a gift that you don't currently operate in. All right? We tend to get comfortable, right? But you can kind of get stuck with even something that's good. Like you just, it's kind of like that's your lane. But I want to say that God wants to widen your lane. Right? And this gets exciting, right? It's because like, okay, man, I'm operating in healing, but I could operate in distinguishing of spirits. Have you thought about that one lately? I don't know how to activate that exactly with the person across from you, but that could get interesting. But, uh, but we get comfortable and we stop desiring the more of what God wants to offer to us. But I want to desire it and I want to, I want to desire it because I'm in love with him and because I want to be a benefit to those that are around me. Right? If something's needed, I want to be like, all right, I'm going to release this. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.